love you. Hey. Hey. What's up? Not much. What's up with you? I'm here. Living the dream. I can't stand that phrase. <laughs> I seriously can't stand dream. it when people are like, I'm living the dream. I'm like, no, you're not. You're just saying that because you're dead inside. Exactly. Yeah, I know. Same here. <laughs> it has been crazy hot out and disgustingly wet. Because it's Florida and we're in hurricane season. I know. So the other day I was getting ready to leave work and yeah. they would not leave, let me leave work because we were in a tornado warning and they forced all of us to go into our tornado shelter because um, a few miles away it, there was the vortex that was forming. Yeah. But it didn't touch down. So that was, um, was it Wednesday? I think it was Wednesday. I think it was Wednesday or Thursday. It was one of them. I just wanted to get home. It was literally three minutes before my out time. I'm pretty sure it was Thursday. Ugh. It was one of those days where I left early. It was really good that I, it was good that I left like 30 minutes early because mm. then if I didn't, I would have had to drive through that. Yeah, it was, it was bad. And that would have been awful. It took me, so I, I normally get out of work around like 5.30, 5.45, mm-hmm. depending on the day. And I was three minutes away from getting out at 5.30, and then all of the managers came down. And they were like, all right, we're putting everybody in the tornado shelter, grab your belongings and stuff. Our tornado shelter is literally a hallway. Oh, that's fun. And part of that hallway is a glass wall that leads into our lunchroom that is pure windows. So Explain to me how that's a tornado shelter. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's... Uh, and special. so, yeah, we were stuck in this hallway for like 30 minutes oh my God. before we could do anything. And then it took me a solid hour and a half to get home. Mind you, I live 10 to 15 minutes away from where I work. Yeah, that's right. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. So that was, that was the highlight of my week. Yay! <laughs> and I know it's been two weeks, but that's pretty much just been the highlight of whatever. <laughs> yeah. No, I've just been working and yeah. coming home and working and then coming home and working. Nothing really too crazy. But, like, recently, for some reason, and I don't, I don't understand why, but for the last, like, couple of days, mm-hmm. um, I was thinking back to this time where I was – in Connecticut, when I used to live in Connecticut, and mm-hmm. I was driving by Newgate Prison at night, and as I was driving by it, I saw these two guys carrying something into the woods, and literally what they were, literally what it looked like they were carrying was like a body bag, Ooh. like something like, and I'm just like, I don't know why this is replaying in my head. This now, is question answer. Was it during the day or it at was night? at night? Hmm. It was at night. It wasn't during the day. It was definitely at night. Spooky. Very. So, like, I posted it on my Facebook, and I was like, yeah, so this is something that's been kind of replaying in my head for the last couple of days. And all my friends are like, you should totally report it. And I'm like, but it was, like, almost 20 years ago. This is, like, a long-ass time ago. Hmm. Like, long-ass time. I was, like, 18, 19. Yeah. Roughly. When, and I'm, like, 36 now. <laughs> I'm old. <laughs> um, so it was like a long ass time ago, but all my friends are like, you should totally report it. Cause what if it actually is something and it turns what into something? What if it's something? coming back to light? Like some, they're slowly finding stuff I and don't know. maybe subconsciously or maybe you're connected to the spirit somehow. 
and, and maybe it's just he's like, trying, hey, hey, you should probably report something. Be like, hey, you should probably hey. check that trail to see for if there's a dead body buried in there. Or like, like hey, remember that one time? I don't even know like if that would even be Google helpful. stuff. See if see if I'll appear. I literally <laughs> tried Googling to see if there were like any dead bodies that were found in the last like 15 years in that area. Nothing. And the thing is like East Granby itself, like when it comes to crimes, there's like nothing. The last time there was any form of a murder that happened in uh, East Granby was like a, there was a stabbing of like some kid that was from out of town. It was like a group of kids. They would party out in the you know, in the woods, and there was a fight that happened, and some kid was stabbed. But he wasn't from East Granby. He was from out of town. So, But were the kids that stabbed him from East Granby? No. Oh, so they were no. all. No, they were just so they, they just so just, just, they were just someone from out of town that were just in the area. Must be nice living in such a safe area. I know, right? I forgot what oh, it felt like. What is that's nothing in Florida. I know, right? It's like, oh hey, someone was stabbed again last night. Oh, again? Oh, oh there was another shooting? Oh, okay. Oh, what school was it? Sorry. Yeah. Oh <laughs> too soon. Too soon. Anyway, off of that topic. Yeah, let's get off of that topic <laughs> of murder and shit. Uh, yeah, maybe I will report it. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, I just got to figure out, like... How you're going to be like, hey, so... How am I going to bring this up? Like, 13 years ago. 14, 15, 20 years ago, I was driving by Newgate Prison, and I saw two people going into the woods carrying something that looked like a body in a bag. I mean, I don't know how else to elaborate Thank you for on that. Crime line. It's like I don't know how else to. Rep- I don't. I don't even know how else to elaborate yeah. on that. I really don't. So it's like uh, sometimes it takes a while for you know stuff to come to light. So better late than never. So let's talk spooky stuff. Let's talk the spookies. So today's topic is. Asylums. Haunted asylums. So, yeah. Uh, Did you want to go first on this one? Of course. Sure. Let's go first on this one. All right. So today I will be talking about the Athens Lunatic Asylum. Ooh. Yes. So in January of 1874, the hospital began its operation. It was first named the Athens Hospital for the Insane, and within two years it was renamed Athens Asylum for the Insane and continued operating under several different names until its closure as the Ridges Mental Institution in 1993. Okay. And the idea to actually build this asylum began after the Civil War, and the area that they chose to build the asylum in was originally made up of 141 acres. And over the year, it quickly grew to over 1,000 acres. Oh, Jesus. So it was pretty big area. And it's mostly farm fields, um, gardening, greenhouses, or orchards, and livestock areas. And the asylum itself was considered a holistic institution and considered to be the first Victorian-style mental hospital in North America. Okay. And the patients were actually subjected to gardening, counseling, and prolonged periods of fresh air. So it was not a torture sort of asylum. Oh, so they actually cared about their patients and actually treated them like humans? When it first opened, yes. Oh, okay. (laughs) Oh, wait, I got my hopes up. Um, And, uh, yeah, the institution did not use torture by any means to treat patients, which is, at that time, beautiful, considering it was... 
1874. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but also the Institute for many years was Athens, Ohio's largest employer because they could get away with using their patients to take care of the livestock, the gardening. Yeah, um, why hire people when you can just, when you have the free labor right there? Exactly. Yeah. But also use it as an excuse of, well, you're getting out in the fresh air and we're giving you something to do instead of just sitting in your room being idle, I guess, mm -hmm. right? Exactly. And um, yeah, so it was the largest employer in Athens, Ohio, which means, you know, the Institute started to get greedier and greedier mm. with all this free, ink, like without having to pay their patients, yeah. getting generating all this income, they started admitting pretty much anybody. Oh, Jesus. Yep. Um, the number of patients admitted to the hospital grew, and to make matters worse, the hospital had gained reputations as good places to dump family members that you couldn't afford to take care for, and also it filled up with the elderly, the homeless, and rebellious teenagers being taught lessons by their parents. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? That, oh, my God. That must have been one hell of a threat. It's like, hey, mm. if you don't shape up, I'm going to send you to this, like, the, uh, the sanatorium, the yeah. insane asylum. The insane asylum. Oh, <laughs> my God. Yeah. Seriously, I'm glad that wasn't a thing, like, back when I was younger, because I would have gotten thrown in <laughs> in a heartbeat. <laughs> Jesus. I feel, I feel the same, too. Oh, my gosh. My poor parents. Yeah. I feel so bad for them. For yeah, what they so, to put up with. <laughs> so by the 1950s, the Ridges housed nearly 2,000 patients over three times its capacity. Oh, Jesus. And yet the staff numbers never changed. What? Mm-hmm. Um, by the end of the 1950s, the treatments that had been previous previously used for years altered to drugs and made it difficult for patients to execute their jobs. Mm-hmm. So then they also started performing lobotomies and other harmful treatments on their patients due to the now discredited theories that ca of causes of mental illnesses. Yeah. Um, this is actually um, the Athens, Ohio, Asane Asylum is now actually part of the Ohio State University. Oh. Um, they bought out the land to keep records and pretty much... They do have certain areas that are still in use. Yeah. However, the insane asylum has not been since 1993. Yeah. It's just a school now, right? Mm -hmm. We're part of? Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the Ohio University Archives Collection contains records unfolding information regarding the employee's background training. Some were fully trained and some were not trained at all how to deal with mental disabilities. So they were probably just like brought up on the street because back then, I mean, if you have a hospital where you have like a very high ratio of patients to workers, mm -hmm. I would assume they would probably just get any kind of help. They would just anybody hire anybody off like, the street. Oh, you, look, you look like you can. <laughs> you look like you can hold your own, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, another thing is that some of the employees lived on the grounds and some did not. But the most shocking information within the employee records is the evidence and documentation of hydrotherapy, electroshock, lobotomy, and psychotropic drugs, some of which have been discredited today as extremely inhumane ways of treating patients. Mm. So it went from this very pleasant place to hell. be to exactly <laughs> hell. Just hell on earth. Oh, God. Yeah. So by adding the invention of shock therapy and lobotomy to the mix, 
You have a recipe for a nightmare. <laughs> God, yes, you do. Patients were regularly restrained for days at a time in crowded rooms meant for one and beaten by cruel hospital staff. The Athens Lunatic Asylum was known for providing services to a variety of patients who were declared mentally unwell. And most patients were women who suffered from hysteria mm. and postpartum depression. Oh, Jesus. They were labeled as insane and sent to Athens to recover. However, the first patient in the history of the asylum was a 12-year-old girl who suffered from epilepsy, and they thought she was possessed by a demon. Oh, here we go again. Yes. Here I feel we, like I have this... Uh, here we go again on our own into the <laughs> demon world yes. of possessions <laughs> and epilepsy. Mm -hmm. Jesus. Yep. And the leading cause of insanity among the male patients was masturbation. Oh, my God. Yep. <laughs> in a report in 1876, it stated that the majority of male and female patients were hospitalized due to excessive masturbation. Oh, my God. The second most common cause of insanity was intemperance and dissipation. The fuck? Yeah. Like, no, what the fuck is that? <laughs> <laughs> no, like, seriously, what the fuck is that? <laughs> so just being, like, impatient and oh. having... Tempers and that's it. Yeah. Oh shit. Yeah, I would have been in there a long time ago. Yep. Oh yeah. That's yeah. Oh yeah. God. Oh oh god. Yeah. So in the hospital's first three years of operation, eighty-one men and seventy-one women were diagnosed as having their insanity caused by masturbation. Oh Jesus Christ. Fifty-six men and one woman was diagnosed with having their insanity caused by intemperance and dissipation during the same period of time. For the female patients hospitalized during these first three years of the asylum's operation, the three leading causes of insanity are recorded as perpetual condition, changing of life, and menstrual derangements. So PMS. PMS, having in irregular periods. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Um, epilepsy was also considered a major cause of insanity and the reason for admission to the hospital in the early years. The first annual report lists 31 men and 19 women as having their insanity caused by epilepsy. General ill health accounted for the admission of 39 men and 42 women in the first three years. And ailments such as menopause, alcohol addiction, uh, sorry, alcohol addiction and tuberculosis were also calls for enrollment. The hospital did close its doors in 1993. However, the institution of the state hospital continued to function in Athens with patients and staff relocating to a newly constructed facility, which at the time of the transition in 1993 was called the Southeast Psychiatric Hospital. Hopefully their practices got better since then and they didn't treat their patients like mm -hmm. shit. Oh, so yeah, just imagine being in this hospital because you have a shitty period uh, yep again and pms oh everything my god that you listed almost everything that you listed almost. everybody everybody I would have been in, I, I would have been admitted a long time ago no <laughs> wonder it was overstaffed they just kept sending people that were like oh shit that <laughs> sounds like the person that was just here two minutes ago you are literally just like <laughs> just you're just a tad bit off so here you go mm -hmm. oh dear god yes so on to the hauntings so the first haunting we'll talk about is by a patient with the name margaret Schilling. Um, she disappeared on December 1st in 1979. Huh. Um, despite the best or poor 
efforts of the hospital staff, Margaret was nowhere to be found on the grounds. It wasn't until 42 days later that her body was discovered, locked in a long abandoned ward once used for patients with infectious illnesses. Oh, Jesus. Tests show that she died of heart failure. However, she was found completely naked, her clothing folded neatly next to her body, and worse yet, to the horror of those who found her, Margaret had decayed so much that a gooey imprint of her body had seeped into the concrete. Oh, my God. And much to everyone's dismay, the stain could not be scrubbed out no matter how hard they tried. To this day, the lonely outline of her body can still be seen on the top floor of the asylum. Some say that on clear nights, Margaret can still be seen trying to escape the room where she died. So I literally just looked up that picture. It's disgusting. It's literally an outline of a body. It's literally a, just a body. Yeah. Just a, just a white mark of a body on the floor. Concrete, yeah. That is so crazy. Mm -hmm. And that's like an actual stain. Like you can see the yeah. head and the arms and the hips and the, like, oh my God. All of it. What the fuck? Mm-hmm. That's disgusting. Um, another crazy and creepy fact about this asylum is that everyone who ever died on property was put into the graveyard. However, no names were used. They were literally buried with a headstone of a number. Oh, my gosh. And it wasn't until the 40s, after a law passed, that they had to identify the bodies of the patients that had died on property that they started using names. However, they never changed anyone up until the 40s. So if you still go there, there's still people just with numbers. And on they didn't their have any of those like documented anywhere, like, hey, at this grave, number whoever is nope. this person. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, that's what um, so a big no thing of, of that. There's no records of who was there, what they died from, sort of thing. And that's what why kind of I believe the Ohio State University bought it out is because they wanted to at least get as much information at, from this hospital as possible so that they could put more names on the tombs, like the headstones. Yeah. And also get closure for those people. They wanted to get information, trying to find maybe hidden records and stuff. So they've been going through and doing that for quite a while. Yeah. Especially and a good amount the of them have... Um, there has been some that they did find records from that people kept just on their person, like huh. from staff who used to work there. Oh, wow. Um, so they got that information and was able to label some people with names and, you know, their ages, their date of birth, their death date. But oh, most good. of them are still listed as numbers. Oh, my goodness. Yep. And ooh, that is the Athens Lunatic Asylum. That's crazy. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Do you want to hear another crazy, you want to hear uh, about another crazy asylum? Yeah. So, <clears throat> so I did, my story is about Waverly Hills, one Woo! of the most infamous of the infamous of haunted uh, asylums. Um, mm. This one's always been kind of like a, um, a favorite of mine. So I was like, let's talk about that one. <laughs> So the Waverly Hills Sanatorium um, is a closed sanitarium located in southwestern Louisville slash Jefferson County of Kentucky. Okay. Um, it opened in 1910 as a two-story hospital to accommodate 40 to 50 tuberculosis patients. 
In the early 1900s, Jefferson County was ravaged by an outbreak of tuberculosis, also known as the White Plague, which prompted the construction of a new hospital. Uh, the hospital closed in 1961 due to the antibiotic drug um, streptomycin that lowered the needs for such a hospital. So due to the nature of tuberculosis, the hospital operated as its own self-contained community to keep patients isolated from those without the diseases. The hospital was so large that it even had its own zip code. Oh, geez. Yeah. Um, it had its own zip code, post office, water treatment facility, gardens, and livestock so that the patients had everything that they needed to live removed from the outside world. Um, however, they were not always completely isolated. They would allow loved ones to come in during visitor days and everything, so that's good. Um, but because tuberculosis was such a contagious disease, early treatments were rigorous, although in most cases unfounded and unsuccessful. Treatments included having patients exposed to fresh air, sitting out on patios and porches, no matter the weather, be it rain, snow, or sun. So if you actually do like a Google search, like a Google image search yeah. of Waverly Hills Sanitarium, you can actually see like pictures that were taken of all these beds just pulled out of the rooms and just lined up in the hallway outside with like to get the with the open in. windows just to get the fresh air, quote unquote. God, imagine having tuberculosis and then it's snowing outside and they push you into this damn hall. Yeah, right? Oh, talk about death by hypothermia. Yeah. So some patients were treated in rooms with artificial UV light meant to penetrate their lungs and to kill off unwanted bacteria. Uh, but there were more bloody and often deadly treatments of the diseases that also included inserting balloons into the lungs to expand them or by even removing some ribs and muscles so that the lungs could expand further on their own. Ooh. That's... Mm -mm. So it wasn't until, the, as I said about the antibiotics um, in 1943, that basically caused tuberculosis to become on a, on a decline. But even so, after World War II, um, the tuberculosis experienced a spike in cases when soldiers began to return home with it. So many were treated at Waverly, but died due to how advanced the cases had become by the time that they arrived at the hospital. So the number of deaths that occurred at Waverly Hills in a, um, in a year sometimes reached as high as 152. And during its operation between the years of 1911 and 1961, it is believed that around 6,000 people died there. Oh, wow. And the thing is, is that when people died, they're, um, they, in order to prevent patients from seeing these people, like these dead people being wheeled past or anything like that, they had this thing called the body chute. Mm. And so what they would do, and the body chute was also used, you know, in the wintertime to bring up um, supplies, like food and supplies and everything like that from in town, and it would go up the hill, but the body chute was used to just bring bodies down. Well, I always, I always thought the body chute, wasn't it like... They would put them in like the and metal like containers. Metal containers. And just wheel them in this creepy hall, like underground thing, and just. Well, that was a tunnel because there was a tunnel. Okay. And because there are tunnels that are under there, and then they had that body chute that was literally just like. Was it connected to each room? Is that what you said? No, 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 no. So the body chute is outside, and it's uh, basically like a ramp. And on one side is stairs, and on the other side is like this little rail ramp. system. Mm -hmm that they would put bodies in, like, cars, and then they would... That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And they would, you know, basically, like, a little, like little 
train thing or whatever, like a little cart system, like a minecart system. Yeah, minecart. Yeah. Minecart. There we go. That's the word. Yeah. They would just, you know, lower them down and that way that that's how they would dispose of the bodies. Do they just leave them there? Or no, they... I mean, they would, they, bodies would be picked up by corners or whoever and okay. then taken off somewhere. But, I mean, that's... Because that would be just... Yeah, we're just going to just throw them down the body chute and leave them there. No, they, from what I understand, they actually, that's where they would pick up the bodies. But they had it there so that way patients wouldn't see the bodies being or whatever. Oh, where's Carol? She was here yesterday. I, I know, know, right? She's, just, she's gone. Maybe she got free. Oh, yeah. <laughs> speaking of the death chute. So... Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that was my next note. Uh, the volume of deaths were so high that doctors worried about patients' morale and mental health and repurposed the tunnel that had, been moved, that had been used to move supplies up the hill in winter into a discreet way to move out the dead of the hospital and to the bottom of the hill uh, where they were out of sight and able to be cremated or collected by family members. The body chute, also known as the death tunnel, um, was 540 feet 545 feet long and was and used a rail car system to transport bodies from both the first floor and the basement of the hospital. The hospital officially closed in 1961, but reopened a, reopened a year later with a new purpose. So in 1962, Waverly Hills uh, reopened as Woodhaven Geriatrics Sanitarium for the care of the elderly. The old folks' home was troubled by multiple budget cuts that made it difficult to properly care for its patients, and abuses began again. Electric shock Ugh. therapy was used to treat, quote-unquote, many of the elderly within Woodhaven, regardless of their condition, and the facility was closed by the state in 1982, the year I was born. <laughs> That's crazy. Oof. You know, it's really crazy listening to these things, like, and hearing these stories, and... You're like, oh, yeah, and it closed in, like, as you're closed, like, what, 1993 or something? 1993, yeah. It was, uh, what, like, three or four years after I was born. Yeah, so, like, 1993 for you, which was, which means I was, like, 11 years old when that happened, and this was, like, in 1982. It's crazy that these things were still happening. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's, like, these things were a thing when I was alive and when you were alive. it's probably still happening. Oh, it most likely is still happening today. And that's just freaking ridiculous. Yeah, exactly. That's why I hate the stigma that comes around mental health. No, we need to be trained better in it. Medical professionals need to be trained better they in it. They do need to be trained better in it. Law enforcement officers need to be trained in it. Oh, like, my God, like yes. Everybody needs to be yeah, trained in it. Exactly. Let's not make it a stigma, people, because mental health is a real thing. Yes, we all deal with it. Yep, in some form or way or however, on different levels, exactly. some more than so than others. Exactly. So... Oops. But uh, anyway, so there, there were multiple plans of what to do with the property after Woodhaven was closed. None of them realized, uh, none of them were actually realized. And in 2001, Waverly was bought out by new owners who are now working on, uh, working on to preserve and restore the building that had fallen into disrepair. Okay. So now on to the ghosts. Spoopy stuff. The spooky stuff. The stuff that you came here for. <laughs> Not just our history lesson. Not just our history lesson. I was literally thinking the same thing. I was like, you're not here for history. You're here for ghosts. History, though, I mean, you can't really talk about the ghosts without the history. That's exactly. the thing, because that's the only way that you can understand just how crazy this place was, because, you know, that's how you can understand why there is so many ghostly activities or paranormal activity, because of just how insane, no pun intended, this place was. So uh, the first one... Um, a young girl can be seen on the third floor running down the halls. And I might know, actually, when it came to the Waverly Hills Sanitarium, um, sometimes if it was like a single parent or just a family, 
um, sometimes the kids would also be with them with the family and they would basically have them in a like in a kids area in a sense so that kids would be admitted with the family wow. so yeah it was kind of sad um, there's also a young boy who loves to play with balls um, they the little boy's name is Timmy there have been a number of uh, videos actually so if we just do a google search of like um, Timmy uh, Waverly Hills or something like that you'll find videos of people that would bring like a little toy ball and, and they, they would, would, put, would play with it yeah he would play with them and they would just put it on the floor and then it's they'd be so like hey funny. Timmy go ahead and you know move the ball and the ball would just slowly start to move Mm. And you know, and if you just put it there, it's it's like there's nothing there to make it move on its own. Oh, it's so cool. Um, there's also an apparition of a hearse leaving, or excuse me, there's an apparition of her of a hearse delivering coffins to the facility. So like a car, an apparition of a car. There has to be like more residual hauntings, though. I want to say yeah, that's definitely yeah. residual. There's also a woman bleeding from the wrist who begs for help from visitors. Uh, people have reported seeing doppelgangers. There are like of themselves, either of themselves or of people that they know. That's so creepy. Yes, doppelgangers are terrifying. That could also be like a past life thing, though. It could also be a past life thing too. Yeah, there's a number of things. Uh, numerous shadow people, inhuman entity, or there's also an inhuman entity who crawls along the floors, walls, and what? ceilings, giving guests the feeling of dread. No. They also named that one the crawler. And um, no. there was a my one of my last one of our last episodes. There was something where I notated about the crawler. There was yeah, there was there was another crawler. So I feel like the crawler is like a blanket term yeah. of uh, this kind of spirit because that and also like Hatman and stuff like that. The body shoot has a lot of uh, paranormal activity that's involved with it, being like um, just like EVP, like whispers and banging. In the kitchen, there is a man who will walk around in a white coat. Uh, sometimes you can smell the cooking of freshly baked bread, despite the kitchen not being operational. Ooh. Apparently, the fifth floor has the most activity. Uh, there's been reports of children playing in rooms, apparitions of patients roaming the halls shadowy figures passing by the doorways, and also lights coming from windows as if they were still occupied. Volunteers who worked on the restoration project have also experienced being struck by unknown forces, objects being thrown at them, objects and tools being moved, doors slamming shut, as well as apparitions in the doorway and halls. Uh, the fifth floor is also home of the nurse's station, the linen room, pan uh, the linen room pantry, and two rooms, one of which being 502. And apparently the room 502 is one of the most haunted rooms. There's very little evidence to what I'm about to say, but apparently the reason, one of the reasons why is that as 1928, an unmarried nurse hung herself after finding out she was pregnant. And also in 1932, another nurse jumped out of the window. Others say she was pushed. Um, but from that room, people have seen shapes moving, lights from the room, or excuse me, lights in the room from the outside, and also heard disembodied voices. Oh, yeah. So there is, um, I was kind of browsing the Reddits and I came across this one story. Shout out to Reddit. <laughs> <laughs> right. This story was posted on Reddit by GXDMN Batgirl1. Or no, excuse me, just, I'm sorry, GXDMN Batgirl. Um, and it's listed as Waverly Hills, my experience in a haunted sanitarium. I kind of wanted to read this one because I was like, oh my gosh, yeah. this is crazy. So uh, shout out to this back, uh, GXDM and Batgirl for posting this on Reddit. Yeah, shout out to you. 
So she says, hello all, a fellow brother asked me to share a post about some experiences I had while investigating Weaverly Hills Cemeterium in Louisville, Kentucky. I've been researching and investigating the paranormal since 1998. I do have my own team, visited some of the most notoriously haunted locations in the US, and I should also mention that I'm sensitive and this gift does enhance my investigations. So she, uh, she says that she uh, visited Waverly Hills back in July of 2012 and had three other investigators with her, Eric, Tommy, and Debbie. She says, if you've seen the building, it's worth looking it up. It's huge and incredible to see in person. Uh, she says, it'll be hard for me to sum up my experiences without going into great detail because I feel that the full effects of these experiences can only be truly felt by the vivid descriptions. I will do my best. This was the only place I've ever investigated that made me uneasy enough to want to leave, but this sensation only came over to me, came over me when my team and I entered the fifth floor. Legends state that when the hospital was in operation between 1910 and 1961, a nurse had an affair with a doctor and became pregnant. Not only that, she also had contracted tuberculosis. The, disease, the disease at the sanitarium was determined to kill, or excuse me, cure. Unable to handle the stresses of her transgressions and unable to bear the thought of a child being born with this disease, she performed her own abortion and threw the baby into the sewer system, oh and God. then she hanged herself. Note, this claim is not conclusively substantiated, and it is also, it's basically just legend or folklore. I'm not saying this is the particular entity I encountered here. I'm just including this as background. Hospital staff, as well as patients, contracted TB and passed away from the disease. So the entity I interacted with here at Waverly could have been one of those nurses. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> That's just so scary, like thinking of working in one of these places and then just contracting And just contracting it. something that, yeah, that's always terrifying. <clears throat> she said, at Waverly, once we reached the fifth floor, I became extremely apprehensive. Usually, I will be at the front of my team, guiding them to particular locations according to the strengths of the energies in the building. Sometimes, I will follow up behind in an effort to sort of protect my teammates. In this particular case, I did neither. Feeling incredibly nervous, I put my back up against the wall and would not move away from it. I tried to maintain my composure as best as I could, but I felt safer and less exposed. I wanted so badly to leave, but I knew that I could not abandon an investigation or my team. In my uncomfortable state, I pressed on, leading my team on an EVP session. We began asking basic questions to try to see if there were any intelligent entities with us. One investigator stated that we wouldn't judge her for what had happened to her and that it was safe for, us, safe for her to talk to us. After a few moments of silence, I heard footsteps walking around us, and later on, I reviewed the audio. I heard four very clear footsteps, which sounded like ladies' heel shoes clicking on linoleum. It was a fast-paced walk, as if she had somewhere important to be. Perhaps a doctor required her assistance in surgery. This would lead to other experiences throughout the night. After the fifth floor, we made our way back down to the first floor. I moved around according to the pull of the energy in the building to the electric shock therapy room. In here, we decided to separ uh, separate, which each of us in different corner of the room. We decided to conduct a SB7 spirit box session, and we were not disappointed. We started the usual introductory statements and asked the usual questions. What I look for is, uh, is for intelligence, so I tried to elicit real-time responses from any entities which might be present. So I said out loud that we came a long way to speak with them, and we had traveled all the way from New York. I asked if they knew where New York was, and a female voice came through the box and said, North. 
Having received an intelligent response, I asked if she could tell me the name of any one person in the team. The same female voice came through again and said, Thomas. Naturally, we were impressed. We continued on. Having received two intelligent responses, both in, both in the same female's voice, I said, I hear a female, I'm hearing a female. Do we have a lady here? Came the next was disturbing. Three different voices, dark voices came through, joining together, saying, don't speak with her. This spent, sent chills down my spine. Oof. That's, ooh. <laughs> oof. That's not, that okay. That is big oof energy. Ooh. And that's the crazy thing, too. I mean, I've heard of a number of instances where there's, like, um, if there's, like, a number of um, entities in one location, sometimes one entity is stronger than the others and yeah. will be, it will basically keep the other one. The other one's kind in of check. in check. And, or either in check or just in prison, like imprisonment type of thing. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. I started asking questions like, who am I speaking with now? And why can't I speak with her? And what do you want with her? I told them they had no right to keep her, and I told them to let her go. And if they ever did, I don't, I don't know. We did not receive another response from those dark voices, nor did we hear from the nurse. So we moved on. Next, we went back upstairs, and this time the fourth floor's main operating room. Like the idea, liking the idea of using tr trigger objects, I brought dust masks with us to simulate the doctor's masks. In this room, Eric took the role as the doctor. We started another spirit box session, and Tommy asked, do we have any nurses here who can help us? A female voice said yes. I then asked, do we have a nurse here? Can you come over to the doctor and let him know that you're here and that you're ready? Again, the female voice said, here. I asked, you're here? Nurse, how many patients do we have on the list today? The female voice responds, three. My theory here is that she recognized Eric as the doctor. Perhaps she thought the other three of us were patients. The conversation continued. What's the first step? The nurse said, give him first aid. We asked more questions like this, but she did not respond. The next question she did respond to was mine, approximately four minutes after her previous response. She said, uh, I asked, can you, tell any, can you tell us any of our names? We are the doctors. And the nurse just said three. We continued trying to converse with her, but this was the last response she gave us, and I felt there were a few moments of silence, and she had left the room. So my final encounter with the nurse of Waverly Hills happened after our investigation. We had ended at 3 a.m. We had gathered up all our gear and headed back down to the gift shop, which had been designated as headquarters for the evening. Our tour guide stayed down there while we conducted our investigation, but when we got back there, he had asked us if any of us would be willing to go back into the building with him so he could lock up. Of course, we all volunteered to go, and so we did. No longer feeling uneasy, I followed up the back of the group, hoping to get a few moments away from everyone to experience the last bit of energy that Waverly Hills was willing to share with me. As I was walking past a very large room, I distinctly heard a woman speaking, and it had a definite and it had definite female vocal tones, and she spoke a full sentence as if having a conversation with someone else. Unfortunately, I could not make out what she was saying, but I knew for a fact I heard her disembodied voice with my own ears. Mm. This was a very, this is a really amazing experience for me as I never had such a strong connection with the spirit before. The nurse was with us from the beginning of our investigation until the very end, saving that last bit of evidence just for me. She made the night truly special, one I will certainly never forget. I can't wait to go back there and investigate again. I wonder if she'll remember me. That's so creepy. That is like the creepiest, craziest story that I've saw. But it's going to also be really awesome to be so connected to situations like that to where you can get a response. Right? 
I would love. I feel like I would have been. <laughs> Sorry about that, Emma. <laughs> Here, let's plug this in before we start. Go ahead. Okay. So anyway, as we were saying, that's just got to be so cool to be that connected. I feel like many people try to get, you know, get these experiences and then they fall short. Yeah. And she was just like, she got responses, man. I would love to go on an investigation somewhere and get like those kind of responses because I just, I just want to go on an investigation, period. I yeah. personally have never been on an investigation. I mean, I've had things happen to me. I've seen things, heard things, but I would like to go. Cheers from the graves now becomes paranormal investigators. Oh my God. But seriously, I mean, I would love, that is definitely something I would love to do yeah. sometime. So maybe we can we gotta look that up at some point, see if we can go on some kind of somewhere that does investigations like the lighthouse. I would love to go. The Lighthouse does investigations at St. Augustine. There's so many places I want to go. I want to follow that haunted road trip across the U.S. Yes. Mm -hmm. I love road trips. Yes. So, oh, goodness. But, yeah. Wow. That was crazy. So, um, I saw something the other night uh -huh. in this house. Oh, no. I was, wa I was uh, walking down the hallway. And as I was passing the stairs, I thought I saw somebody turning the corner to walk up the stairs. And I looked back and there was nobody there. Oof. It was a shadow person of some form. <sighs> I'm just like, cool. It's probably the same one that decided to move our, our laundry basket a couple Maybe. months ago. I feel like I've been seeing a lot of stuff and out of the corner of my eye lately. I think it's just probably because if we're just going to sit here and we're going to be we're opening up ourselves more. Yeah. When we are invest not really investigating, when we're researching this stuff and talking about it, I feel like we're kind of opening up ourselves more. Oh yeah, definitely, especially with the uh, Robert the doll. Oh yeah, yeah, about that. I got my car back. That's my, good. I finally got no. my car back after what? Are you okay? What? What is that? Oh, that is a is that a scooter? That's a kid's scooter. That is the cutest <laughs> Sorry. little moped scooter thingy I've ever seen in my life. That's adorable. But anyway, yes, I got my car back, finally. Good. So, oh my God. Yeah, I'm never going to talk about that ever again. <laughs> because that, yo. Um, which reminds me, uh, I should probably point out that Cheers from the Grave is not responsible for any possessions, hauntings, or possess or possessions, hauntings, or possessions. <laughs> Cheers from the Grave is not responsible for any hauntings or possessions you may encounter while listening to this episode. Just uh, throwing that out there. Or any episode. Or any episode. We are not responsible for anything that happens. You are listening at your own risk. Exactly. Just FYI <laughs> <laughs> on this. And we, as we research at our own risk as well. Yeah, exactly. Oof. You are listening to this at your own risk. <laughs> so, but anyway, um, things. Oh, yeah. Uh, merchandise. Uh, yes, we do. We have awesome new merchandise have, on our store. Which is, I mean, it's already... By now, when this comes out, it's always it's already going to be released. Yes. Um, but there is new merchandise on our store that the lovely Kina at Historical Kina. AF has so lovingly made for us. Uh, yes. She is fantastic at graphics. Graphic She's design. rocking it. She's she, 
hardcore rocking it for yeah, us so, Kina, so much. So, Kina, thank you so much for that. I cannot, I seriously cannot thank you enough. I, I feel like she's now become like our little personal graphics designer. Because <laughs> she literally just messaged me and she's like, I had this great idea. What do you think? I'm like, I love it. I'm going to throw money at you. Here, throw money. And I just like, <laughs> it was fantastic. Um, so, we have new merchandise and I was thinking about a contest. Yes. So spoopy contest. A spoopy contest. So this spoopy contest is send in your stories. And then what we'll do is we will read once we get in a good number of submissions, we will have another listener story episode. Yes. And then from there, we will have take a vote. And we will see who had the best listener story and whoever has the best listener story that was the creepiest, then they will win something from our merchandise store. Yes. Of your choosing. Yes. That is not a million dollars. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I was thinking that that would be. I think that'd be an awesome contest to have. I think so. So that means you have to send in your stories to us at cheersfromthegrave at gmail.com. So again, cheersfromthegrave at gmail.com is where you can send in your personal stories. Yes. Make sure that they're creepy. And you can also check out our merchandise by going to www.cheersfromthegrave.com yep. and clicking oh. on the merch tab. Yep. It's also on Spreadsheet. Just the, the one thing I've noticed that when you do that, sometimes I notice you have to refresh the page because when you click on merch, sometimes it doesn't always show up. So you have to refresh it for it to show up. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can also go to spreadshirt.com and go to Cheers from the Grave um, with Spreadshirt because that's where we locate our, that's where our merchandise is located. Mm-hmm. So, but anyway, um, social media, you can find us on Facebook and on Instagram at Cheers from the Grave and Twitter at Cheers from Grave. Woohoo! And we also have our website, again, at cheersfromthegrave.com. And our email, again, uh, to send us spooky stories is cheersfromthegrave at gmail.com. Yay! Yay! Thank you so much for listening yes. to us, guys. But this is uh, episode eight. Episode However, eight. technically, in some ways, it's episode nine because I labeled our listener story as 7.5. Because <laughs> it's not a true episode. It's just like halfway. But, yeah, no, this is... This is this is awesome. Yes, and we wouldn't be able to do this without you guys. Yes, which reminds us me, going. which reminds me, um, if you do like what you hear, um, you can always. Uh, we have a Patreon program on. It's on Patreon. Uh, cheers to from the grave. So you can definitely join us on Patreon. Um, we to have get two dollars and, and five dollar tiers. Yep. But also, if you just want to literally just donate you can we do have a paypal account that's cheers from the grave so you're more than welcome to donate via uh, paypal if you just want to do that instead of doing monthly donations Mm -hmm. um we accept that um so that's cool i'm not saying (laughs) give us money but i'm just saying that if you do if you would like to donate um to help us keep this going um especially to because this contest that we're going to start running and introducing it's going to come from our pockets. it's going to come from our pockets um and then we and if it goes well we would like to continue doing so um but donations would be lovely if you guys like to so but anyway but also at the same time we just love doing this because this is a lot of fun this is because i get to hang out at work on slow days and research spooky shit 
Yep. And it's wonderful. And also on top of it, we get to hang out. Exactly. And, you know, be social. So it's awesome. We're rambling. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Sorry, that clipped. Wow. All right. Well, anyway, I'm Erica. I'm Stephanie. And let's wrap this up. All right. You guys are awesome. Cheers and spooks. Yes. We love you. Thank you for listening to Cheers, Cheers from, from the, the grave. grave. You can stop now. <laughs> Heheheheheheheheheheheheheheheheheheheheheheheheheheheheheheheheheheheheheheheheheheheheheheheheheheheheheheheheheheheheheheheheheheheheheheheheheheheheheheheheheheheheh